Hello, podcast listeners. This is name day because, as you will see, I am interviewing John Graney. That's how you say it. It's not how I've said it, but that's how you say it. Of Relatively Painless Tattoo in the UK, Scotland specific. And the reason why we're calling it name day, apart from the fact that I struggle with his name, is that today, diary listeners, is John's birthday. So go on over to his IG account, wish him a happy birthday, and do him a favor and give him a follow. Thank you, John. Enjoy, listeners. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Welcome, diary listeners. I am here today with a friend that I met via Facebook, actually. Uh, his name is John Graney. Okay. That's right. I've mispronounced it so many times. I don't even, I don't even know if I said it correctly again, but um, he's awesome. His, uh, his tattoo studio is called Relatively Painless, and you said it was by accident? Want to talk about that? It, yeah, it definitely was. It was uh, we were, we were trying to think of a name. I was trying to think of a name for the shop, and you, you come up with like, when I first opened, coming up with ideas, and then I would instantly Google it, see if another one existed, and I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. Um, so I'd Google something, you're like, no, no, and then think stuff I didn't want ink in it. Didn't like the idea of that, um, and then. Was actually I'd gone viewing a studio, an a prospective studio, and uh, I was with my wife and my bus- then business partner because I had a business partner when I started out, um, and his partner. And afterwards, we like wanted to go to the they wanted to go to the supermarket, and both me and him shared the mutual thing. We're like, oh, look, we're going to be in here all day as usual. They're going to wander around and come out with a tea light or something. <laughs> Um, we were still like talking, still kind of thinking like, well, what should we do and all that? And um, my wife and, a, and his and his partner, they were in and then came straight out. And I said, well, that was relatively painless. And he looked at me and he, and he was like, you've got it. And I'm like, what? And I didn't even know I'd said it. And I, I didn't even realise. And I was like, ooh. And we Googled it, it didn't exist. I'm like, done, there we go. That's it. Perfect. Sorry. That's awesome. Perfect. I love yeah. that. That was kind of like... Uh my studio it's a very small one but i called it um beyond the pale art studio because i like the euphemism and i like the Mm. idea of reclaiming a um a bad thing and making it something good again yeah 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 um plus it has a double entendre i'm pale as you can be but i have tattoos (laughs) so (laughs) So I'm beyond pale <laughs> and anyone who comes to me is beyond pale. <laughs> um, how long have you been tattooing, John? Uh, 
I don't, I don't really know. I think, I think it's about because I've been obviously in, in ready for that readiness for this. I've been kind of thinking about it. Um, I think since about 2008, I think. I've been about 15 years, 15, 16 years in total. Oh, yeah. um, which is good. I don't know if that makes me a craggy old one or still a newbie. I'm definitely not a newbie, but one of the old. I think hats. that makes you part, I call it the renaissance of tattooing. It's when I feel like, you know, we, yeah, like we, we started but really found it. What was that again? Yeah. I'm sorry. You cut out. It's fate. It came back in like a major prominence. Mm -hmm. um, I felt when I, when I, when I got into it, it became more of a thing. I seen it more mm -hmm. as well. Everybody was seeing it more. Hate to bring it up, but like Miami Ink was a big thing, was coming about. All that was, yeah, yeah, making it look cool. I mean, it is cool. <laughs> it, is. it is. I mean, it is. It's, it's easy for us to say, like, oh, yeah, just trying to make it look cool. But it is. It is. It's a fucking cool job. It is cool. It it's like anything. It's very hard, and I think if you do it well, you make it look easy. But it's not easy. Mm -hmm. No, no. The program sells that wrong way in every way. Mm -hmm. uh, that aspect of it, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Like, I, I enjoy Ink Master and, you know, um, Best Ink and all of those uh, shows just because it did, I think, give more common language to people who didn't know very much. And it and it and it helped us in a in a, in some kinds of ways. I think that uh, gives gave people things to note about what they were getting done, but certainly mm. doesn't give a good a good look at what we do. <laughs> oh. And it's far nicer than what they print. They always make it so dramatic and so competitive. That's not <laughs> really how it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, we have. I don't know if I, I don't know if you have it over there. Uh, where you are but in the uk we've had a couple of programs that i feel that really really sell the tattoo industry wrong and they're awful two shows one's on mtv i think that's still going the other one's not there's a show called tattoo fixers okay it, um and another show just tattoo of us okay um, and i don't know they were they were bad really bad <laughs> uh, it's it, just just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Um, tattoo fixes is exactly what it says on the tin. It's people come in um, into this fake tattoo shop, show off some bad 90s tribal that they got, or I love a beefer on their ass, and they these artists sit round and have this little confab, a lot like the Miami Ink thing. It all seems very bang, bang, bang. Yeah, you go, we've done it. And they do, quite frankly, they do, they do god-awful cover-ups of things that are never going to work, and they know mm -hmm. are never going to work, doing it for a TV show. And it, and it has come out a bit more. The local, you know, like new, newspapers, people who were on the show have come out, look at the state, look what's happened. Well, these people have become mega stars out of it. But to the general public and, you know, like on social media and that, they're like, they're like gods to the general public because they don't know different. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're in that industry, it is horrendous absolutely horrendous to watch i watched uh, a show like that on netflix where... and half of yeah, the I mean... cover-ups were like that's not gonna work 
yeah. I don't know what it was called, though. Um, it might have been that, or maybe a, a variation of. But then, it, and also the the fallout from that was people turning up at the shop with, like I say, a really black, horrendous, huge, massive tribal. And can you do a pink lily over that? No. Well, I've seen it on tattoo fixes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Still, if Jay or Sketch, whatever their names were on the program, could do it, you should be able to. Um, well, maybe what makes them think that? Well, wouldn't I they... I think it's easy from perspective to go, are you mad? Because we know the ins and outs of it, don't we? But the general public don't, so you, it, you have to kind of work with it, but some things you're like, no. no. Well, even, even if that is, um, I mean, if you're exalting the celebrity as as any kind of status like symbol, it makes absolutely no sense to my mind that you wouldn't go to the most premier person in the world that you have recognized says they can do this. You know, yeah. why would you apply what you consider to be like the coup de gras of all tattooing to just anyone? Wouldn't you hold the people who set that standard accountable? It seems yeah. it, it just doesn't seem right to expect that of everyone, um, yeah, especially yeah. if they're on a show that's saying how awesome they are. Like, I don't know, like for them to go, if he can do it, you can do it. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like and also I think for me the biggest thing about shows that I didn't like was um the idea that every tattoo artist should be able to do every style or proficient in every style and I think that that is something that does water down our industry yes we we should be knowledgeable of other styles but to be signature is our is our want is to have our own style that we're sought out for you know that's signature to us you know we want to be somebody that's like van gogh like you look at a van gogh you know it's van gogh when you look at so that's our want is to be that so for them to kind of postulate that a really good tattoo artist should be able to do all of them equally as good um, I think kind of takes away from what our goals are like, yes, I think that you should be able to be successful in whatever you take on, but it makes people think that you should be willing to do everything. And most people are not willing to do everything. Um, yeah. and that's what I don't like about them before you tattooed. Uh, what did you do? Like what, what kind of got you into tattooing? I mean, 2008, you weren't, you weren't a younger gentleman at that point. You were, I mean, you were young, but you were, you know. Yeah, no, well, yeah, well, I wasn't, I, I, I'm late in the game, for sure, age-wise. Me too. Uh, but I always, I'd always wanted to, I think. I was always keen on it. I was always keen on it. I always, I always liked, I always liked tattoos, obviously, that's a start. Um, I was always drawing, um, you know, I did art, you know, obviously art at school, at college, but I always kind of failed it in every every point, at every point of that, whether it would be, you know, academically and so forth. 
because I just didn't like being told what to do. Um, art, I failed at school. Graphic design, I, pa I passed with flying colours uh, because uh, the, the, the teacher that taught us really would play to your strengths and would ask you to elaborate on those strengths, to push them even further and things like that. That that interested me. That was keen on where our art class was something else. It was all I can say was to it sounded like a a lawyer's office, Swarbrick and Lehman was the Oh my god. Um and I, I I feel that they may have been two failed still life artists mm. that were holding every every child that came through that class accountable for their uh, misgivings, so to speak. So all you did every day that you went into art class, and I was keen for art, but all you did was there was a big pile of shite in the corner of the room, just trash, and it was like, pick three pieces and do me a painting. And that was it. And the only variation was if you did it in watercolour or gouache, that was it. Um, and that was not for me. Well, and then they would leave the room and go and get stoned in the back. You would literally smell weed coming through the, oh, the school. Room. That's awful. And, and then they just come through, and they had the they had their favourites, ones who you know obviously were into that kind of thing. There was a couple in our class, and they would be they, they would lord over them, you know, uh, plenty of gouache, darling, and all this is marvellous. And then you, uh, you being not into it, they would just not pay any attention. And I'm just like, if I'm not, if no one's bothered with me, I won't bother with them. And I just become disruptive. So I just, I just became a disruptive member of the class. I spent well, most of it out rather than in it, drawing and painting. Well, it doesn't sound like uh, you failed. It sounded like they failed you. Yeah, there is that. But I could have, I could have, I know for a fact, I could have applied myself a bit better, obviously. It's school. If anything, like my parents said, like, I can't believe you failed that. You know, when I got my my results when I left school, like, why, how, how did you fail that? And I'm like, because it was rubbish. That's because was I think that it was their assumption that art class is something, again, people that do it really well, they make it look so easy, for one. And two, um, I think this, the assumption is, is that an art teacher is going to, to, to make make it fun to make it something that you you know reaches your soul yours actually yeah. was soul sucking <laughs> completely well, that's I mean, terrible it, it played to my other side which is rebellious and likes a laugh so um i had a great deal of fun just not in the right way in that class that i should have been um i was just i was just a nightmare in there and then this is the kind of the same thing happened at college I went to college, went straight into doing art. Um, I wanted to go for graphic design, uh, but because of my failings at school, I had to start on a lower entry uh, art course uh, that was more of an all-encompassing rather than specific. And I think I got like halfway through it and I was really into it. There's, that, there's aspects of it I didn't like. Still life was there again. The go after darling, that was all there and all this kind of... But... Um, you know, it was like it was it was all different bits. It was changing all the time and things. So I, I'm I'm keen on that, you know. Um, so I would keep keep going at it, but then I just don't know. I just got a bit. It must have been six six months into the class, and I'm like, I'm looking around, and I had I had a friend who was who I came up uh, through with school, 
there and um and then there was other people there and like I know not not in an egotistical way, I know I can draw and I know I could do, you know, the stuff the stuff I can't that I'm not very good at and uh, artistically, but you know, I, I know I've got a good solid base from a young age. But there's people there who could not do art at all on any level. And but their passion was unbelievable, you know, it was completely unwavered no matter what. Um but as long as you you handed in a B, C, and D, you passed. And I'm like, what is that setting people up for in the big world? There's nothing. And what I don't feel that I fit, I could hit A, I can hit B. I'm no good at C. So I'm not, I'm I'm failing and I will fail. And other people, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I'm a failure. I just, there wasn't, there's no way that I, I felt that in the big world, in the outside world, going getting a job, a graphic design job, for example, if I'd have gone down that road, you know, I could turn up, oh, yes, there's my degree, or there's my, you know, there's my exam results. Right, brilliant, let's see you work. All oh, right, thanks for coming. The next guy's got the exact same thing as me, but is good at it. You're not going to get a job. Sounds like you're it already well-known. It was already well-known well at that time. You got told it at college, you got told it at school. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really competitive business. It's extremely competitive. For every one of you, there's another 30 of you and probably a lot better than you are. So you're getting told that, but yet they're still just, you know, going through the motions of passing these people because I know that's their job. It's just pass them, pass them. Mm-hmm. Get, the, get the school looking good. The grades high is good. Get them out, get them there. But then you're just failing these people going out. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to go and get a job. And I just kind of sacked off the whole idea of anything artistic. And I just... Just kind of life and got in the way a little bit. I just got down the road that all my friends did. You know, we all wanted to, we were young, you all live for the weekend. It's just party time. And um and I did that for a long while, for a long, long while. And then but that was something I was always in. I mean, I, I first got tattooed when I was 16. Um uh back in the day when it was like, are you 18? Yeah, all right, sit down, never ask you for nothing. No idea, nothing. You just sit down and show. Uh, and I was always keen. I like the art. You know, as a lot of people, it's the same same story of a lot of people. They like the the rebellion of it and that and the the niche because it was still niche then. It was a bit more, you know, fringe and things. And it was just cool. There was nothing cool about it. So oh, it was always there, but I just felt it was never something that was achievable. But then, like anything that I've always done, what in any manner, if I get it in my head, then I'll do it. I'll do it. And I will mm-hmm. do it no matter what. And I did. And I just just went for it, and that was that. But not until I moved. Go ahead. Because I was from Edinburgh, where I where I live in Scotland. I'm I'm from Manchester, down in England, Um, and I moved here for a change, change of life in every aspect, and that became part of it as well. Can you talk about that? Which was good. Um, Was it just you know different scene, or what? What about Scotland attracted you? I'm just curious. Um, well, I'd, I I had visited a number of times. Um, uh, when I when I lived up, when I lived back in Manchester, I had a, a girlfriend at the time, and her sister lived up here. Um, and we we visited. I'd come up a couple of times. It was it's a lovely place. It's a beautiful beautiful place. Um, and never on my radar to live. Um, at all, and. 
we well, that that relationship came and went and we we kind of we remained friends and I just kind of went my way, which was at the time was just just being a bit of a degenerate, to be honest, not doing really anything, going nowhere. Uh, and, and all my friends the same. And I got asked by my uh, ex-girlfriend if I would come and help them move. They were they were moving from another part of Scotland um, and say, if you want to come up for the weekend and give us a hand. So I did do that. And I think I've been in, if I remember rightly, um, I've been in a spot of trouble back home at the time. Got myself in a bit of, a bit of aggro, shall we say? <laughs> and um, they, this was well known, and they were like, you know, and their sister said, like, do you ever feel that you want to kind of change things? You're just stuck in this rut, and it'll never change because she's originally from where I'm from, and she says it'll never change there. People never change there. You'll never change there unless you change, and you can't change it there because the moment you change it, people will have a problem with you changing it, think you're better than them, things like that. It's quite a negative space with which you live. So why don't you come and move here? Try it out. Come live with us. See what you think. Which I was not I wasn't overly comfortable with because at the end of the day, as much as we're friends, my ex-girlfriend was living with them also. And you know, that was that was done and dusted. And I felt that was a bit in too much back in our lives a little bit. But I went home and started doing the same rubbish. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just go. I'm just gonna go. I've got nothing to lose. And like she said, if you're not happy and that you, and you don't feel it's working for you, you can just go home. It's not a big deal. So I was like, why not? I'll try it. I love and that. And I did. And then I went home. That was it. That was <laughs> 20, 20 odd years ago now. Wow. That's cool. Okay, uh, oh no, it's not even 20. It's not 20 years yet, I don't think. I, I moved up on my 24th birthday, just before my 24th birthday, and I'm 43. Nice. No, so. Close. You're a few years older than me, but not much, not much older. Um, and you started, you started tattooing 2008. I'd say officially, I started like started started in 2010. Yeah. Um, I had a yeah. year under my belt prior, so maybe somewhere in there, I'm 15 years in, but I don't really count the prior ones. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't. It's it's crazy. This is part of my no my personal history and yeah. I ain't got a clue anymore. <laughs> well, and years melding. I've lost makes... a lot with COVID. I don't have so much skewed from those two years of, it's amazing what locking yourself out of the world for just a few months does to your entire perspective on time. It's crazy. Really yeah. Crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's brought out some weird stuff in me. I'm very grateful for, but, um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of things I never imagined I would do now, um, but I'm happy for it. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think yeah. it. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think it's good, like you, like you said, of you know the reasons why you went to Scotland. If you don't change, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're kind of destined to be with the same people in the same kind of rut. And I think that that was, um, although aggressive, a forced a forced shut down and start back up for everybody. So it was a reboot. Um, And I'm, I'm glad because, you know, for whatever pain anyone had to suffer, I do think that it's realigned us with our priorities the way that they need to be now, at least moving ahead. It has for me. So I'm happy for it. It's, it's been rough because it was a trauma 
And I don't think I'm it alone. Definitely, it was definitely stressful. <laughs> oh, yeah. What no. was it like there? Uh, it was... Um, I don't think there's any better word to describe it than shit. <laughs> it was it was the worst thing. It's probably one of the worst things I've I've kind of, well anybody has anyway. You know, it's, it's it's strange. It's odd. It's something of it's something of fantasy. When our mm -hmm. prime minister came on the telly to say, you know, we don't know what's going on, and all this, give his big speech, and we're going to now lock everything down. It was bizarre. I mean, my wife watched it on telly, and it was just like, what? This is crazy. This is total madness. And then knowing, and then you're like, right, well, how long is this going to be for? And then you realise there is no timeline. And then you've got a business to run. And and oh, oh, like almost immediately, the moment that even got said that we're locking down, like my property agent that runs, because I rent my property for the shop, right. was instantly emailing. My rent weren't even due. If you cease to pay, we'll cease to help you, whatever the fuck that means. Wow. Um, and so it's like almost in instantly, there was no way of breathing right, we'll be all right for a bit. It was sudden just pressure on you. And A uh, question, um, are you guys licensed there? Do you have to be licensed to tattoo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what yeah. the thing that really bothered me um, because um, what people deemed essential and inessential was very uh, suspect for me. And I was very upset about that because they were removing licensed professionals that by all accounts, a license supposed to safeguard you to public, to the public. And, and what you're, what you're essentially doing is saying that you are up to date on all of the safety precautions and measures necessary in order to interact with the public. They took those people out and they allowed Burger King to still work. And they, I hear anyway, they allowed big things to still open. And it was amazing to me that a kid that has not even a high school diploma could keep working. But I, I as, a, uh, as a person who, I'm not licensed in my state. My state actually doesn't require a licensure, if you can believe that. But I am licensed in another state. And I'm also a licensed practitioner in, um, and being a barber as well. So, and again, they took out everybody who cut hair. They said, no, you can't operate. And it was really, for me, it was a very clear cut motion against small business, like to level us. And I really, you know, not that I, I believe that COVID wasn't real. I think COVID is a very real thing, you know, it affected mm -hmm. people on a, on a physical level, but as far as, um, what harm it could do they made it do far more harm than it ever should have been able to do to any of us by doing that well i th think now I, I think now i mean aside from the financial financial aspects of it which i think recovery from that will be for all, quite a while on a bigger scale i mean i we recovered instantly oh that's good pretty much i would because we had two lockdowns um and the moment we opened it was madness absolute madness uh, but not that it, you know, I said we recovered, you know, it took time to recoup what one, one, what, what once was, but the instant, like, going from earning nothing to something was like zero to a hundred. It was, you're off, uh, which was great. It was perfect. You know, the people were waiting there for it, mm -hmm. um, uh, which we wondered about, 
because obviously a lot of people were in the position that none of them were working. Um, but it never seemed to affect it. Everyone had been waiting and messaging all the way through lockdown. And I'll just send deposits because I know you're not working and all that. Deposit, I'll deposit you, I'll deposit you. We're like, well, we're not taking bookings yet, so I don't really want to take a deposit. No, no, it's, it's all right. No, we are essential. <laughs> give you hundreds. Yeah, well, like, well we know. are essential. Yeah, that, that yeah, should show but, you something about what we do. You know, like people might like to think that it's extra, or it's not necessary, or any of these things, but it is. It it, it calls yeah. to the human spirit, you know, in a way that's undeniable. You know. Yeah, but the financial side was one thing, but the, the the thing that now that you see is a massive, massive impact that it's had, and now you're seeing the real damage that COVID caused. Or should I say the the knee jerk reaction by the powers that be to COVID, of course, is in like in terms of like health, uh, mental health uh, operations that have gone non non you know that have not been being done, and still now there's you know like they they've lost a lot of nurses and doctors. Like our national health service is on its knees, uh, yeah. really badly. And people have gone undiagnosed. Uh, myself recently, we've um, suffered a loss of a loss of and recently, oh, and he wasn't getting the should have done. Uh, only a young lad, and he had cancer, and that went undiagnosed for all, to to the point where he was unsavable. Um, oh, no. Armed off with a phone call because all they would do is phone calls, which they're still doing now. I feel like doctors are using that as an excuse. They just do phone. Things rather than getting hold of your senior, uh, he was palmed off with antacid for a year. Oh, um, and it, um, so it's that you're seeing a lot now. There's more of that now, and, and obviously the, the, the probably one of the biggest ones is the mental health impact that the lockdowns caused. I think that's it's shocking. And then our health service, I don't feel assists um, or has the the finances put into it with regards to mental health on a normal day without this yeah so that a bigger thing again so it's now we're seeing the true to me the true problem the, the true issue with covid and it wasn't the f- covid virus itself not to dis- dismiss what that has done but you know yeah the real impact I feel you. I wasn't very popular when it first started out because I was talking about all of these things that would happen um, when they were acting a certain way towards COVID, when everybody was still worried about COVID, the virus. I was kind of framing all of the things that we're experiencing now and saying, you cannot do this. Like, you cannot do this. This is going to have ramifications so far and above and beyond what you think is bad now and it it just sucks because it's um it's not a gotcha or you know i'm you know i told you so this is the shittiest place to be where you've said to people this will happen now it's happening and i'm just sitting here going yeah dude i I mean, I'm in it with all of you that I, we are in it together, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but it sucks. And I hate, I, and I hate, I guess I, I'm, 
I'm disappointed in the fact that as soon as this all happened, that your landlord contacted you and basically just said, yeah, we're not going to help you. And, and that, that shows you a lot too, is that like, I mean, it's, it's good because I don't think we're supposed to have faith in people or institutions or things like that. I think we're supposed to have faith in higher things. Like the reason, you know, that we're here today, you know, that, that, that we're connected, that there's this spiritual thing that maybe nobody can really break down or see that, that that's worth having faith into, but not, not these man-made things. I mean, yeah, they're tangible and everything, but they're so temporary. And, um, and I, I, yeah. And I, I think for me anyway, uh, I mean, I recently, dude, (laughs) I'm going to do a podcast after this one, actually, because I promised everybody I would talk about it. But, um, just to segue for a second, I recently started going to church and my friends are like, dude, what the heck? This is not like in a million years. And I was like, I know, right? Like, <laughs> that's like, it blows my mind, but I'm, I'm loving it. And for the first time I did it for my reasons. And I think like you with your art, with everything, it's like, if, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it because you're passionate because you feel pulled towards it. It, it's just right. It will happen. And, um, and I, I think that, you know, the reason why I am so much pulled towards it is because what I learned in that time during COVID is that everything I had tried to construct for myself pre COVID, um, was fine and all, but it didn't save me from COVID. It didn't, it didn't help me really in that respect. People turned on me like crazy. It didn't matter how long I had, I had worked with them. I had acted well towards them in a second. We were, we were at each other's throats and we were cutting people out and we were, it it made me realize that like, whoa, you know, all it takes is, is, you know, something to like, make people so afraid that that it'll it'll completely blind them to being a good human it'll completely blind them to the things that we all talk about but very rarely do we get the opportunity to act on and show up for Mm -hmm. and be there for one another and i saw very clearly what what i was surrounded by and it freaked me out freaked me out and when you said like when the floodgates opened, they opened here too for me. Everybody wanted to get tattooed, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like, cause I was um I, I had this moral. Like, I mean, I was good during COVID. Like, I wasn't great. I had savings and I had a boyfriend that was considered essential because he was a pizza guy. And <laughs> he he fed people. I don't know how that happened. He doesn't even have a, a high school diploma, but he's essential. I mean, he's essential. I love him. He's an amazing guy, but like in the grand scheme, you know, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's already here. My next book. Okay, listeners, 
I've got something to share with you that I'm already in love with. I don't know about you, but I'm a total book nerd. I have so many books. A lot I haven't read, I admit. There's just something about having bookshelves full of possibilities that calms my soul. So when I attended the Bogota City Tattoo Fest this past August for the first time, I was delighted to run into my friend Ina Vigilato. We've actually had her on our show, so go check that out. Straight away, it was like God used Ina to guide me over to Black Dagger Books. There I met Travis Lawrence and Josh Rowan, the creators of this enterprise, and got hooked as soon as I saw their product. It's these beautiful little books just full of art, amazing art from amazing tattoo artists. From here, I'm just going to read what their site says. Black Dagger Books is an ongoing collection of artists defining modern tattooing, published monthly, one artist per book, one book per month. A subscription is $25 a month. You get inside of these beautiful books, these, these custom stickers. Each one is filled with the most gorgeous artwork, and it always concentrates on these awesome tattoo artists, and I try to follow each one as soon as I, as soon as I open the book. I'm just like, oh, my God. So it's really worth it. Uh, do yourself a favor, go over to blackdaggerbooks.com or if you're on IG, Black Dagger Books, it's all one word, and check out their product. Uh, like I said, the subscription is awesome and I'm really happy. Uh, this quells everything about, you know, the book nerd in you, the art collector. It also cures any guilt that you might have about having books just laying around because this gives back to the artist community. It's, it's a win-win. And just so everyone knows, I'm not being paid to shout these guys out. I just genuinely love their product. And also, I really love them. You know, the creators, Travis and Josh, were amazing. They were so kind to me. They gave me so much of their time at the Tattoo Festival. So if you ever have the chance to meet them, talk to them. They're great guys. I just can't say enough things. So do yourselves a really big favor. Go check it out. Thanks so much, listeners. Let's get back to our podcast. But we were making money, so I I had I had I had enough, and I had set up my life enough so that I could make my bills and not worry too much. But coming back to tattooing, I felt like for me, people were kind of explosively reacting to what trauma they had just been through, and I couldn't mark them in that space. Like I felt morally. <clears throat> bad about doing it just because I was too freaked out and I was too like whoa dude like I I don't even feel like I can meet you in this space and be like clear and be the kind of person I need to be for you in this space and for me like tattooing is far more than just putting an image on somebody I mean it is that but you know I I guess I go the over caring mark of like going is this something that you could live with forever is this something that like you know, when you, when you show yourself, is this what you want the world to see? Because this is a brand, you're branding yourself. This is a personal brand. And I want this to emote you forever, you know, cause it's, it's like that. So, you know, for me afterwards, I really, I only took on people that I had already had tattoo experiences with or that I was currently working with. So I was still working, but I yeah. couldn't let the floodgates open. And I was in a different position. I didn't have a shop like you. You have to, you have rent to pay. You have like 
so I got fired. I got an opportunity to have very cheap rent. I'm renting for my family. So it's really a blessing, but like much different scenario. Like I didn't have to like take on, I had a moment of reflection and, but you know, it kills me sometimes because I'm like, I could have made so much money, but I couldn't, like, I couldn't do it. <laughs> and it was in that space that we met, honestly, because I started getting online on Facebook and I was like, you know, I've been told maybe I should join some of these Facebook groups and stuff. And I never yeah. thought I had to, because I was like, why do I need to see all the shit of the internet? Like, you know, like, what are they going to show me? What are they going to teach me? They have taught me a lot. They've taught me that there's a lot of shit on the internet. And <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that group that I think we all met on um, was one of the most, uh, you know, at first, like some things that you get that sometimes where you, you like, you get someone coming in with a, with a bad tattoo and they want sorted or, something or you see them online and your instant reaction is like <laughs> you know you just can't think that's fucking funny like oh jesus <laughs> i was like pass it around a bit have you seen this and yeah it's like a little bit gossip about it but then as you delve deeper maybe into the look at the image a little too long or you read things a bit too long or you read comments like on that page it's like it becomes insanely sad and then anger inducing Mm -hmm. um, and then that your anger is only literally pe people are, are like on that page I can't remember what that was actually called now because I'm way long gone from it um, it it was you would get angry and you try to be diplomatic about it and then someone would literally pour petrol on you and make you even worse I didn't, I didn't like who I became on that page I'm like <laughs> what am I doing I'm just this miserable old prick that you you've heard about from yesteryear I've i didn't see that i didn't see that in you yeah oh, oh I, I i felt well that's that why way. we're friends I'm, really bad. <laughs> I'm like oh jesus that what we're right that for um i mean i could be worse i, I could thought have you been, were funny could have been um but i just i don't know it was very much blind leading the blind on that program on that on that on that page I don't know who run it. I know they couldn't be a tattooist. Whoever run that was not a tattooist. And if they were, they were, and I'll stand by it, they weren't a legitimate one. No, or they weren't. They, I, if they were, or they had a studio or whatever, I would love to see their work. And I never really like to speak negative about somebody in in the industry at all, but I guarantee that they're shit. Well, you have, to be, shit. you have to be in the industry. And that's the thing is that like, when I looked them up, and I don't remember their name, so I couldn't couldn't call it out. They, I think they ran a page through Facebook, which I'm sorry, but I judge people when they use Facebook as a um, like it's fine if it's a funnel. Like with me, I do have a Facebook page. I do use it to funnel things to my website. But when yeah. you use Facebook as a way to like, I don't know interact with your clientele maybe i should be less judgy because facebook does have analytics that help you sell but for me i just i and i looked them up on um on instagram and i didn't find any ig so for me it was very like 
you're, you're not in this industry because if you were in this industry, I'd be able to find you. I can't find you. I can't see anything of you. So I don't, I'm not going to legitimize you, you know? Oh. So you're back. You just, and then you just went a little bit. But um, we're all right. We're all right. Every time I speak, I feel like I might cut out on you a little bit. But every time I speak, I know that I make your end cut out. So I'm trying to be very good about not interrupting you. I know I've done it a few times. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> just the actual screen, you froze. It froze for a brief, brief. Spell, it always freezes that. when my face looks ridiculous. I hope it was at least fun. <laughs> Oh no, there wasn't like a or anything like that. It was quite. It was, it was just. There's um, some doozies, man. No, no, it was like passport photo. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> That's awesome. At least it was very like you know straight. <laughs> um, when you uh when you started tattooing uh I mean getting you know getting back I guess to your journey because I I really do want to hear more about it and I'd love to shout this out because from that tattoo page you and I met and I ended up getting roped into like opening up a separate page that we now have that's tattoo artists and apprentices. Uh-huh. And I was like, John, you have to help me. There's way too much estrogen here. I need, I need your funny. I just feel like a completely bad father. Like social services should come around because I've just not been, I've not been present at all, um, or virtually not at all. Um, just with so much going on, really. No, you've actually um, been in your actual family, so that so- social services doesn't come in real life. <laughs> you know, like you've been there for them. That's appropriate. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. And to defend yeah, you, the biggest thing on that other tattoo page that I saw and that I was and why we became friends was because I noted a few things about you. First, your tattoos are dope. Um, they're very clean, beautiful line work. Can tell that you you have a very good understanding of the machine that you're using, the way you're using it. Not only that, but you own a tattoo studio. Not only that, but you're a father. So when people would give you shit or like, you know, get mad about how you would try to help them or what you would say, I was like, listen, could you just understand that this guy's got a lot going on here? Like to for him to even be here, like telling you anything, even if it's just like, stop doing what you're doing, you suck. That's more than he has to do ever. He doesn't have to be here at all. <laughs> but don't do that, do we? Really? Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I if, saw. Never really put a put a, my finger on why I got mad because a lot of things I could just kind of like laugh it off and be like, "All right, <laughs> whatever, calm down, pumpkin." But uh, but I'd find myself going like, "What the fuck?" And then I'd be like, "I'd be going on again," and I start becoming a keyboard warrior myself. I'm literally becoming them, and that's just no, no, it went good. It's not because you give a shit. It's because you give a shit, and also during COVID, I think we were all forced inside, and so we were forced on these machines, and we were kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is my world right now. I got to be online, so I'm going to be online, and then it was just like, whoa, this is online. This is concerning. And it's because you're, I, I just saw it, like, 
you just care. And I think that that's, um, that's what I got from what you had to say is that you, you gave a shit. Well, I did. I mean, it was, I initially joined that page. I can't remember when or why I joined it. And I went on looking and like I say, you're kind of like, Jesus, that's hilarious. And then you look further into it and then you see people have conversations in amongst those barrage of horrendous imagery. And they're having conversations about what machine do you use and all that. And they're talking and you're talking like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And you're all just buying pens. Mm-hmm. Um, or dermadildos as I like to refer to them yes and um, I'm like you, you're using the the easy the, it, every aspect of what you're doing is the easy way your, your, your artistry to begin with your drawings are crude uh, a lot of the time there's very very little that was original most of it was traced stuff that what I could see there's the odd smarter people who really had some talent and were trying to negotiate it the best way they could. And them, I, I, a lot of the times, they were the ones I would maybe comment on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never really comment on the bad stuff and be negative. Nothing needs to be negative, negative. Um, but it was just like, what is going on here? It is literally a room full of people who don't know what they're doing or know what they're talking about, giving each other <laughs> ideas of what to do. And I'm like, this is just mad. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you should just tell these people. And there was a lot of people who would like, clearly join that page, um, tattoo eyes, and just be abusive. So, um, And I can wholeheartedly feel like I may have been one of them. I could have quite easily have been. But then you look at it and you're like, you know, don't you don't have to be, because I hate that thing, gatekeeper here. Not, never like that. But there is an element of it that's needed um, because that's that's the result of it is that page. It's things on that page. If you don't have a, a modicum of gatekeepery about it, but just share what you know in a positive way, in a right way, which I tried doing, but there was a lot of jealousy, I felt, because you were in it. It's like, oh, you know, like, you know, do one, go away, shut up and all that. Um, or you're just mad because you pay a rent and I don't have to. No, I'm not. I'm mad because I'm not giving hepatitis to anyone, you <laughs> idiot. Like, I don't care about it. It's nothing to do with that. Like, what you, the logic behind some of these people's answers and everything was just so strange. And it was just, and I, and I went through this phase of going into it, going onto it just to look for what negativity was going on. Uh, maybe directed at me. Like, I'd write a comment and it wasn't. Uh, like I said, I don't think I've rarely wrote a negative comment. I would get my back up on a couple of things, but I'd rarely write something negative. Uh, but I couldn't wait to go on to see what the negative comment was. And then I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you, you're like you kind of enjoying this a little bit, and it's just stupid. Like, you're not that type of person. Why uh, do you care about that? Maybe it's stupid. I do the same thing, but I do it so that I can be a better, a better leader. Because... Hmm. If I can anticipate what the objection's gonna be, then I can I can stop and I can think about what the objection is and I can parry that with something that would get this person towards their betterment. Because that was the whole point of the site was to was to help people who are trying to learn. And I I'm with you. I I believe that um, you have to get an apprenticeship. And that's the reason why 
the whole gatekeeping thing gets thrown out is because now there's this presumption that anything that you want to learn, you can just go to YouTube and you can just, you can just learn it. But with tattooing, I do not believe that's correct because, because you need somebody there that can, that can watch so much of what you're doing. It's not just putting in a line correctly. It's how you're sitting. It's how you're set up. There's so many things that happen to you during being a tattoo artist that even if you tattoo really beautifully, if you don't hold your body in such a way, your spine's going to give out on you. Your hands are going to get fucked up. Like if you don't learn, right, exactly. If you don't learn (laughs) that what you're doing is going to wear down on you over time and you don't have a mentor that can warn you with their experience and say hey uh that's a really fucked up position that you're in right now like like you it's not gonna last bro like i know you feel strong right now but you you maximize that for like you know add five years to that that's that's not gonna serve you so there's so much to it that if if you have if you have a mentor they can set you up so that you are practicing perfectly, not just practicing. Because if you're practicing, you know, dumb stuff that's not going to serve you, you're just going to learn how to do it in the worst way possible and it will not serve you. So, and that's something that really stood out from what you had to say was like, listen, you cannot self-teach. Like I'm telling you, you cannot, you need to get a mentor. Like it's fine if you want to come on here. It's fine if you want to get like some some tips and you want to resource, you know, some people and like learn about certain things. That's fine. But if you don't have like an on-site coach, you're you're not going to have any ability to scale what you know because you're not going to have any pushback. It's just it's not going to happen. People are not going to be able to catch you when you mess up, when you know, like as you're doing it. And it's so essential to have that. And, um, and, and the other thing was with that site is that people was, were really kind of angry with people like you and me. And we like, they kind of framed us as these crotchety people, but I was kind of like, and I'm not a person that has done this, but I know people who have done this. And I know that my generation, your generation of tattoo artists are the people who put out the YouTube videos that they can watch. So don't come at me and say I'm an asshole and that I don't want to help you. I do. I just cannot allow you to do certain things that I know will not benefit you long term. I cannot. It's not gatekeeping. It's me knowing that this profession requires certain things. And if you don't, if you're not willing to do it, then you're not willing to do it. Like, that's it. Like, you're your gatekeeper. You're the reason, not me. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's well, the whole I mean, thing. My opinion, my my thing, I don't think I ever quite conveyed it on that page. Because I did say, like, people, you need to get an apprenticeship. You you have to have one. And I'm gonna say you when you say after you, you have to have one, will that teach you everything? No. No, I don't think so. Uh, and and a, you need an apprentice to me. You need an apprenticeship for the fundamentals, just for the fundamentals. A- anything like YouTube for uh, groups on Facebook, things like what's the new, what's the other one that keeps coming up on Facebook, Domestica, and 
oh. stuff like that, teaching people to tattoo. No, it, they're selling it wrong to get subscribers. You, that can't happen. You need to be in a shop learning and do it, learn the fundamentals, learn how to clean, learn how to, how to hold a tattoo machine, learn a real tattoo machine first, then move on to pens and things like that. Learn one. But even then, ah, that, that. Having said that, I'll retract that because that is a little bit gatekeeper. You got you know loyal to the coil and all that. I'm not like that, but you know, like yeah, oh, use mach- yeah, whatever machine suits you, you use. But you get taught to use it in its basic fashion by someone who knows what they're doing. Then after that, you can use these sites, you can use YouTube and all that. It's not an they are not a replacement for an apprenticeship, but they will finesse you. That's it. They're there for finesse. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do now, I was never taught a single bit of. What my work is now is what I've finessed over time. And I have used all sorts to do that because right. I was, I've always been like, I didn't, my, my apprenticeship was okay, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't marvelous. And it was, it was like a shop that's very much ch- Cherry Creek. There was nothing to, nothing to. Oh, me too. <laughs> Bust you, do you know what I mean? Nothing that would push you. You just taught the basics. You put your black shade starts in that corner, whip it out, that's it, done. And then put your red over the top, and that's your love hat, done. And there was nothing more than that. It was, it was, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm God, am I appreciative that I had it I very much. I'll never knock it. Um, but what I learned from then, I can rhyme off everyone from Hux Balding, Guy Aitchison, Frank Overscovy video that was three hours long that I watched. 45 times to learn that that uh, if anything that is the one video that has probably stuck with me more than anything wow. it's frank obscovy doing an alfred hitchcock portrait and i don't do black and gray i just do black work but i obsessed over this use of using a liner to shade mm-hmm. obsessed and obsessed and that's all i really use now very rarely use a mag to shade anything unless it's a big area um uh, or I really want saturation, obviously. Um, I, I would always go that way. But everything that I do now, I was not taught a single bit. Right. Other than the surrounding stuff, the cleaning, the uh, cross-contamination, all that kind of thing. The fundamentals that keep us safe, keep our customers safe and give them the basics that they want when someone wants in a little bit of writing or a plain little love heart. Yeah, that's my... My apprenticeship provided that for that person. What when people want the stuff that I do now and the things that I'm really, you know, I push a lot on my socials and things like that. That is just that's all me obsessing over everybody looking over, and that's sort of a self to me a self apprenticeship that I did on myself. I was hard on myself, so hard to learn, 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 learn. I'd come home for work and I would stay up all night, all night, just obsessing over things, whether it be listening to someone talking for five hours. Then followed up by a three-hour Joe Capabianco video. I'm not doing colour, but everything, this man knows what he's doing. I'm going to yep. watch what he's doing because he's pushing it more than the one he taught me is. So how can he? How can that help me? That's what I would do yep. all the time, constant. Drove mm-hmm. my wife insane with it. Are you ever coming to bed? Nope. I've got to watch this. <laughs> nope. I'm doing now. I'm just watching this video. Have you got tattooing on? Because I have it on my headphones, on my iPod at the time, iPod Classic, right? Like, they're like that, watching videos on it in the dark. What are you watching? I'm sure I can hear a tattoo machine going. I'm like, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, going out, just constant. Just constant. That's awesome. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a great, I think there's, I think there's great places 
these things are great. These pages can be great, but they're just not. People think it's like these tattoo courses. <laughs> no, no. You need to be in a shop. You need to go in a shop and be shown things and learn things. Learn the character of it. See if, and not only that, see if it suits you. Yes. People like the idea of it. I'm going to get my little snap back on, my teenage girlfriend, and whip out some nice Latino tats on somebody. You know, some black and grey stuff and all that, and everything's just dope. No. You might get in a shop and find out that ain't what it's going to be like, and it ain't like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Too cool. It's not. There's a lot of... There's a lot of aspects to it that... that um, When... So... There is the actual tattooing, but then there's the performance of it. There is the 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 people relations of it. There is um, there's just a lot of different things that if you think it's just about the art, then you're you're missing it. Like there's there's so many aspects. I mean, even just your earlier experiences being in a walk-in shop, probably that gives you a yeah. rhythm. You know, like in a day, if you're doing like, you know, if you do like five tattoos, by the fifth tattoo, you have learned so much. You know, you have this rhythm <laughs> that you can pick up and stuff like that. But if you're if you're like trying to learn on fake skin or something like that, one, you, you don't have a mentor there. So nobody's telling you anything. You don't have a person that you're working on. So you don't have any kind of feedback from, you know, your subject. Um, you don't have any kind of understanding about how to manage pain. That's what a lot of people don't anticipate is that like, no. you know, you have to take the fact that this person could be in a lot of pain and you have to put in a good line regardless of whether or not this is hurting them. And you have to push through that and that and you have to think of a way to do it well and make sure they're able to manage that pain. And that's a lot to take on if you're a very empathetic person. It's going to be hard for you to put that line in because you're like, wow, I don't want to hurt this person, but it's essential. You have to hurt them in order to do it well. So there's so much. And I just don't think that, you know, people were, and then, you know, on top of that, there's needles. You know, I just did a seminar about needles uh, through um, Mark Lescarbo of um, Needle Jig, and he does a really good seminar on needle groupings and stuff and why needles are such a way and how they're, how they're comprised and what the difference oh. is. It's really good. And like what you can expect from them. And it's, it's all pretty, like, I feel like I was doing this, but I never framed it and it framed it beautifully so that you could understand it. And more for me now I could teach it. Um, so there's a guy in our group um, that I've been seeing his tattoo work, you know, behind the scenes, he'll message me. And I just like for a while, I was like, why don't you just lean into this really kind of sketchy style that you do? There's a guy, his name is uh, Lousseau Tattoo in France, who I, I I would die to meet this guy. His stuff's so beautiful. It's so good. But it's very um, sketchy and it leaves room for the lines to not be perfect. And it's it's kind of meant to be that way. It's beautiful. Um, and I said, if you did a style like that, you could give yourself some birth to kind of figure out, you know, every. And he was like, no, I want to do clean lines like right away. And I was like, well, 
I've been doing this for about, you know, like 14 years and I still hate my line work. So I, I don't know if that's wise. I mean, I, cool. I get that you want to be proficient at that. I want to be better too, but why would not give yourself something that you can do and you can do really well where you're at and then get, get people in. Um, but when we, when I had that, um, needle like seminar that I went to, when I looked at his work again, all these light bulbs clicked off and I was like, wait a minute, what needles are you using? And then he told me, and I was like, you're using all tens. I was like, no wonder why your needles are not hitting, you know, well and solid and stuff like you need a 12 and you need like, you know, you should have this grouping and not that group. I mean, he was using all these different yeah. groupings that were not going to serve him. And I was like, oh, that's why. And and then we went through it and I gave him some options that I think, you know, like top six of what maybe he should try and buy and try. And he's shown me a couple of tattoos he's done si since. And he's like, dude, it was like night and day after we we talked. It's so much better now. Like, I feel so much better. And I was like, oh, thank God. You know, like I was able to help him where I wasn't able to help him before. I had to default yeah. to something that I defaulted to. <laughs> In, have you seen subsequent work as well since? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's much better. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still, um, he's in, I want to say he's in the, the Netherlands areas and they have a very particular, from what I understand, there's not a lot of education there. They have a very specific, like, um licensure like you cannot you cannot tattoo anybody unless you are licensed and you have an inspection done of your place and stuff so all of that stuff's handled for him like he's not giving anyone hepatitis but as far as the tutelage i think that's where he's struggling and you know he's trying to do it you know it's like one of those things where you try to tell people like slow is fast he he's trying to open up his own shop but he doesn't have an apprenticeship. And I think he's hoping that he can formulate a, uh, a, a, a quality of work enough that he can go to a shop and be like, hey, will you teach me more? I'm not sure exactly what his plan is, but you know, he, he's, he was very committed to his family. And he said he had a lot of challenges walking away from his family and finding time in between those two things, which I hear. I, I worked 80 hour weeks uh, when I when I apprenticed and I did it for three years, but I didn't have kids. I didn't have a family when I tried to do that. I I was like you. I was completely incensed. Like I was just like blinders on like this is it. Um, like I didn't have any of that um, to really compete for my time. I allowed myself to fully fall into whatever I needed to in order to to get into that. I didn't have a social life at all. But, you know, and so that's hard, too, is that when you tell people when they're like, well, I have kids, I have family, I have these this challenges. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do within that? I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you to sacrifice your your time with your family and stuff. But, you know, I do think that. I, you know, part of me is sad because I feel like if they did really put themselves into it for maybe three years they'd get out of it what they need to in order to fully provide for their family. And that's all I could yeah. say, but that's it's making us Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now there's a car is it constant? Oh. 
still now for me like i mean I've, i started out uh before i was you know before um before we had, before we had a child i mean i've got a four-year-old and um but then obviously um, my daughter olivia she came along and that came with a great deal of uh how can you put it um I discovered once once she was born, I had like a block appeared, and this weren't even a time block. The time was put aside. Being an owner of a shop, it was you know, and I had someone looking for me at the time that was, you know, he'd literally just started with me when we pretty much he'd been with me a month or so, I think when when we uh, when we're having the baby, and and he just ran my shop and. He was quite new. I mean, he was great. His work was great, but he was new. He'd not long been tattooing and essentially left to run a shop. And he did it, you know, forever in debt for him for that because, you know, um, it was it was amazing that I had that gap that I could take some time. It wasn't off long, but that, that time I could take it off stress-free of work and, you know, and put all my energy into, you know, uh, my wife and daughter. And then when I went back to work, this thing happened. You know, I was like, people in my, you know, my DMs and my messages, and I want to get this off you and get it off you. And did I not struggle to come up with stuff? Like I could not come up with stuff. Uh, it was like this, this like artist block. And I, I've come, to, I came to the conclusion. And in fact, I know it. I know it to be true. The, the conclusion being was, um, I'll never make anything greater than that. So I found that a complete, like, it was almost like, what's the point in carrying on? In a way, psychologically, I was like, oh my God, why am I, I can't do this for you. And it took me, I would spend, I'm pretty pretty fast drawer um, at coming up with things. Coming up, certainly with an idea, I can do it. Someone even starts talking, I've already got something in there, like, what about this? You know, whether they go for it is a different thing, but, you know, like, oh, I've got this and all this, you know. But there was, there was none of that. It was just like this haze all the time. Um so there was that aspect when she there was that when she came along, but then even now, like since she's been born, you know, you want to spend more time. You want to spend, and I've tried. I have sacrificed work a bit. Do I feel enough? No, I don't. And then there's the other element, you know. There's the element that you know I was there was there was the two there was the two of us before there was a three, and there's that element as well, the relationship with my wife, and you know, I've tried to sacrifice as much as I could for a family. Have I sacrificed enough for her as well? Like for us to be us two and do things together and stuff, especially now she's getting a little older and, you know, we get, because you're constantly with a child, you claw time back as they get older and less reliant. And she's only four. We're not leaving her a, a TV dinner and in for the night on a Jack Jones, you know, but, you know, but, you know, she plays, self plays, so it leaves you open to do things. And we've got like a happy medium, but it still, it still rears its head now where you don't have time. You, you have, you know, I don't have time for home life sometimes. Coming up for Christmas, things are starting happening, like my wife has nights out or things like that, and we constantly have to reassess if we can do them because of my work, essentially. And then when you can't, you feel, you know, feel like I'm letting them down. And then sometimes I'm like, let's start questioning, should I maybe cancel that customer? Reschedule it. But because of my schedule, I will reschedule them into next year. And that isn't fair. So it's, there's this, I think it is difficult. It's really difficult when you've got, I believe when it. You've got a family, it's difficult. 
to try and service right and make everybody happy is, is extremely difficult. Well, to tell you the truth, well, at least my truth, I grew up in a small business family and yeah. um, I, um, you know, my parents, I was a latchkey kid in a lot of ways. In the beginning, my mom stayed home with us kids, but my dad always worked. And, um, yeah. and I, and, you know, on the days that we had off, we made sure that, you know, my dad always made sure as I've seen of you, you know, you've taken your daughter horseback riding, like, you know, you, you do things with your family when you can. And I will tell you, and I said this to my friend, Evan, um, Evan Olin, he's an amazing tattoo artist, but he asked me once, he was like, you know, I, I feel really guilty because you know, I have to go on certain tattoo conventions and stuff because I'm sponsored. And I, I have, you know, agreed to a contract of so many conventions per year and, and I have to go and I feel awful because my wife can't always come. It's not convenient. Stuff always pops off when I'm away. Even if it's something great, I missed it. You know, like I'm not there when my kid does something that's really awesome. And, um, I told him, I said, you know, I think that that's, you know, that's you wanting to be there all the time because, you know, your, your child is the greatest thing that you'll ever make. But when you look at it from my perspective as the kid of that person, I don't, I don't, I don't remember my father ever letting me down in the ways that like, maybe he felt like he was because he wasn't there all the time. I remember my dad always playing with me whenever he got the chance. I remember having this really cool environment where I could go and I could watch my dad do his craft. And the biggest thing was my parents were always able to tell me that no matter what you want to do in this world, Amy, if you set your mind to it, you can do it. And they exemplified mm. that for me in everything that they did. And it, and it, made me this person that knows that if I apply myself to my dreams, I can make that happen. And so I, I think that that's a, a very remarkable thing to grow up around as a, as a kid to have a dad that owns a small business and to watch a parent balance all those things and, and to admit that it's hard. Like, you know, my dad, my dad is a flawed guy. He is not like perfect. He's made a lot of dumb, you know, mistakes, but overarchingly he's been an amazing person in my life. I mean, I interviewed him on the podcast. He was one of my first mentors. He's who mentored me in cutting hair. So, and he's always been that he's always been a teacher. He's the type of guy. And you seem like this guy to me too, um, that you don't want to disappoint. Like my mom would get so like crazy. Like she'd get really upset and she'd yell and, and I would just, you know, I, I would, I didn't want to let her down either, but you know, it was kind of like, you know, screw you. Like you're, you're acting like a ridiculous woman. Whereas my dad, all he'd have to be is like, you know, I'm just really disappointed in you. And I was like, Oh, that's like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I don't know if that might come later, but at the moment I'm just a mug. <laughs> like, <laughs> she doesn't give a shit. What I said at all. The only time is if she really push it if I shout it that terrifies and she doesn't like it. And then I feel miserable for doing it. And it's there's a bit of a reverse psychology I think she's fully aware of that if she gets really upset, 
at me shouting, and then I feel really bad, and I hug her, and I apologise, and then afterwards I'm like, what the fuck am I apologising? She was acting like a little shit. But uh, I know my wife, my wife, she's just like, like, I'll be going on and on, and my wife even just gives her a look, and she's just like, sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, where's mine? I've been asking for sorry for 20 minutes. She just rears her head, and it's like, sorry, my you know, like it's uh, hopefully maybe later, maybe later that might happen. But I am, I am a bit of a pushover, so maybe that's why she pushes me more. All right, that's part one of our three-part episode series with John Graney, again of relatively painless tattoo in Scotland. Happy birthday to you. Looks like I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) Thank you so much, John. And have a great week, diary listeners. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.